in a world of iconic riffs, immortal solos, the highest notes, and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is The Great Metal Standoff. Thanks very much, voice server guy. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Evans, and this is The Great Metal Standoff, the podcast that pits music's greatest albums in track-by-track combat. Now, on this episode, The Chosen Battle was not made by me this time. Instead, it was selected by my special guests for today, a local pub band called Bastard North. And the battle that they have chosen is Motley Crue's most popular and commercially successful album, Dr. Feelgood, versus the iconic Guns N' Roses' debut album, Appetite for Destruction. I guess you could say it is the dissection of the epitome of 80s hair metal here on The Great Metal Standoff. So with that being said, I'm not going to waste any of your time in meeting these passionate rockers, Bastard North, and hearing what they have to say about the grand glam bands. But first, the rules of The Great Metal Standoff. Number one, every album battle will be contested in track-by-track format by our podcast panel. Each individual panellist will select a winner of each song pairing. The winning track receives a point to the individual's tally score. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panellist awards it a gold star. Once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. If a panellist's tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive half a grand point each. The album with the most grand points at the end of all of this tallying will be declared the winner. Alright everyone, I hope you are all very excited about what is coming up. It is Motley Crue versus Guns N' Roses with our very special guest, Bastard North. Roll the audio. Okay, the current time is 8.05pm on a Thursday night and normally we'd be celebrating that Friday's around the corner with a wonderful night out, having a nice dinner at... Nice dinner at a bistro, a restaurant, or pub, or whatever. But instead, I'm joined by two members of a local pub band called Bastard North. Uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your Thursday night to do this. No welcome. welcome. No problem. Okay, well. and uh, just for the listeners, uh, could you please introduce yourselves? I'm John, or JR, or Horsey. I go by many a name. Um, I'm the front man of Bastard North. Uh, yeah, Mark, and I, I play the bass. I only have one name. That is Mark. <laughs> What's no, the no. long uh, form you're going by now? The ah, Lord of the Low End. Yes. Lord of the Low Mark End. Mark or that? Lord of the Low End, I'll, I'll take either. I thought it was longer than that. No? No, oh, that'll do. That sounds good. Okay. That'll do. Well, there you go. So, uh, in the intro, I labelled you guys as a pub band. What do you guys identify yourselves as? Oh, yeah. I, we play in pubs. I don't know. I guess we're a rock band. Yeah. We've definitely morphed into a rock band, with the, as I was telling Jason a bit earlier, with a, with a touch of country. Yeah, You're in there. Yeah, there's a couple of different themes, and you know we probably play in mainly places that are playing punk, so we rub shoulders with the punk guys, I guess. But uh, as you can see, I can't grow a mo- uh, mohawk anymore. So, um, but look, the, there's lots of different influences that come into this band, but it's, it boils down to rock, I guess. All right, what kind of the influences are then in this world of rock? Oh, well, Mick's probably, uh, sorry, Mark's probably the biggest Kiss fan. Uh, I am. Okay. I am, I am indeed. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in the world. I think he's 
you've got a shrine probably a whole room dedicated to memorabilia and things like that um and then uh the guitarist is i think he he dabbled in the world of golf there for a while and um you know he's probably got his roots set in you know like that sort of 90s faith no more grunge scene um you know but uh he's also a big fan of the uh of the for what i would term sleaze rock (laughs) <laughs> so your, your Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reactions yeah. for, for the old kids out there. They remember that one? That was a great record. Definitely, definitely. Um, but, you know, he's into the Misfits and, yep. uh, you know, lots of different stuff, you know. Um, the same with the drummer, really, but, you know, it's not uncommon to see him fronting around in a uh, Metallica shirt. We all call him Lars behind his back. <laughs> and um, I think Does it's... Does he play like Lars? Oh, he's... He's probably more, he's a bit more straight ahead than than right. Lars, I think. And he has um, a good snare sound. But he, he's he's by far the most talented member in the band. So, you know, you can Fair probably cool. you know do bossa novas and all sorts of things where we're just more kind of one, two, three, four kind of guys. Right. Okay. And what you yourself, John, what are you influenced by musically? Oh, yeah, lots of lots of different stuff. Um, you know, I. Probably mainly listen to talkback radio. I'm a bit of a cranky old man. Radio. Yeah, I'm a, ta- I'm a uh-huh. 774 man these days. Am I allowed to say 774? I don't know. Sure. It's a podcast. It's yep. out on the internet. Right. I'm not that, that, binded um, by any. Yeah, look, uh, I'm certainly a Gunners fan to stay on topic. Um, you know, I probably spent a few years with um, Appetite for Destruction permanently stuck in my Hyundai Excel's. Uh, uh, it was probably a CD player, a Walkman attached to a, a cassette. You know, knowing my setup back in the day, but yeah, I, that was definitely a huge influence. But you know, I sort of grew up listening to my old man's music, so it was you know, Hendrix and Floyd and okay. The Who and Beatles and stuff like that. And uh, I really like uh, Lou Reed. Um, and probably the other really big influence on me is Nick Cave. So Nick um, okay, sounds yeah. excellent. I think we all marry up around you know, uh, Sabbath and. Motorhead, I think everyone's a huge oh, Motorhead. How do we leave Motorhead? I think that's one of the things. It's probably the biggest influence on the band is really probably, Motorhead. Yeah, know. walking down that Motorhead line. Yeah. Um, your Perps and the Zeppelins and that classic rock. But I think we all meet at Motorhead. Right, okay. Um, um, so when did you guys get together then? How did this all come about, Bastard North? Uh, what, we must be coming up to three years now. Two, just gone clicked over two? Just coming clicked up on two? two. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, the first first gig uh, I missed because uh, my wife was uh, giving birth a month early. So, yeah, that's a good yeah. that's a good marker. So, yeah, we two, years, as a three piece. two years in September. Um, we've been gigging and we probably had six months run up to that. Yep. Um, it all started with, I answered a ad on Facebook. Um, yeah. Wow! Thinking that it was uh, a a bass playing role in a band, um, and it turned out it was lead singer. I didn't know that until I got to the um, first uh, meeting with the guys in in the guitarist shed, and I've been singing the band ever since. So true that. What do you think of him as a singer? He's though, really Mark? good. Look, yeah, look. There's no, um, I got no problems saying that. He's oh, he's, he's a fantastic singer, fantastic front man. Um, you know, he really is the focal point of the band when we're playing, and yeah, I I enjoy watching him as as a member of the band. Yeah, unless so, I, I kick out his gear, he does have a tendency to knock out my pedal, but that's does okay. He? Yeah, um, I've put yeah. a I put a foot through the uh, the kick skin, the, Conf- the yeah. branded kick skin, which you know he's knocked out mix pedals. He's knocked out my pedals twice, but that's okay. People and people in the crowd just came and plugged it back in for me, and it was all good. We're getting better at it though. Yeah. Okay, so um, just going on the uh, the lead singer thing, um, are there any singers you you uh, inspire by or take a lot of inspiration like 
find, working out their styles of singing and implementing it to yourself, or do you uh, just come at it from complete scratch? Yeah, I, I know that I'm doing it wrong. Like, uh, if you read forums and stuff, and everyone says, oh, if it, if it hurts and things like that, you're doing it wrong. So I'm yeah. doing it completely wrong. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really uh, enjoy singing in this band. I don't feel like I've got to put on anything. You know, I've been in other bands where it's like, okay, we're going to, all sing like Frank Zappa for whatever reason, you know. In this band, it's just you know you have a couple of beers and get up on stage and and rock out. Do you ever see yourself, Mark, doing backing vocals to help support him? Oh, he does. We, we do. Yes. Um, yeah, we all do. The drummer is a, an amazing singer. He's probably does a lot more backing than I do. He's probably the best singer in the band, really. Jeez, we're gonna have to like knock him down a peg or two, <laughs> otherwise he'll he'll fire us and go start another band or something. Yeah, no. You suck. You suck. <laughs> So is your drummer Terrible technically drum. your founder? Uh, technically, I think guy. I'm the founder because okay. uh, I wanted to put together this amazing uh, hair metal band and then I realised Steel Panther had started, so I thought <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, and then I found Mick through a Facebook page. He was friends with drummer Mick. We have two Micks. Um, and then, yeah, John came in through the Facebook ad and it really fell into place really quick. There wasn't any auditions or... He just sort of came in and away we went. Mm, so, yeah, two years, obviously, as a band, and within about a year you had an EP come out last year, was it? When when did, did it come out? It was an EP called On Your Bike, mm. five-song EP, came out last year. How quickly did that come about? Oh, the, those first um, couple of songs, uh, they already you guys had the bones of them before I'd even come in. So yeah. it was actually a dream, like a just sort of had these backing tracks that I had to put vocals over and I've got, you know, books of scroll and notes saved on my phone and things like that. So it was just a matter of sort of um, finding what fit. And, um, yeah, so that sort of motored along pretty quickly. Mm. And then, you know, we'd learn a few covers and sort of tweaked a few songs to, you know, suit where we were going. And uh, I don't know, I think it must have been over a year that it's out. So we must have got it out within must the first quick. six months of yeah. playing, I think, and... Um, and we've just uh, finished recording number two. So, when will um, that come out? Uh, the o- October. Oh, sorry. Yeah, October, October nineteen. October nineteen. So there'll be a launch um, up in lovely venue. Are we allowed to say venue names? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, in Bombay Rock. Bombay Rock. Okay. The, the amazing Bombay Rock. Who's been nothing but supportive. So let's put in a pitch for them. It's the it's the best night out in Melbourne. It's the best night out in Melbourne. I'll agree with that. Excellent. Uh, do, does the uh, new release have a title? We're discussing it at the moment. It's a you know, work in progress. Working, yeah. Okay, so, so working uh, progress. Is, is it a full album or is it another EP, by the way? Uh, so this one's going to be six tracks. It's um, six okay. tracks. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's the... Uh, when I was listening to these two albums that we're about to talk about, uh, you know, you, you, I know a little bit about them and you think, oh, you know, Motley Crue's all living in a house together. Yeah. Nicky Six is selling light bulbs. You know, they're, you know, they're desolate, basically. Yeah. But they just have all this time for music. You know, we've got jobs and families and kids and all this kind of stuff. So we're probably only good for six tracks every 12 months. Um, but, yeah, no. It is I, what it is. Yeah. Does no. anyone even buy albums anymore? I still get CDs. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah, I do. I bet, I bet the guy who does the rock podcast still does. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, Spotify and stuff like that. I used to do a program on Sin called The Mosh Pit, and you'd have to burn songs onto a CD to play them. Yeah, right. Yep. I don't think we're doing too bad. I mean, it's two years in. We've got 
11 recorded tracks. So yeah, that's a record. Well, that's put the two it. together. It's only six tracks, but each track goes for 17 minutes yes. minimum. So we went prog. Yeah, it's actually went over, progs. It's over four uh, four discs. Yeah, <laughs> double gatefold vinyl. Mm. So it's going to be a nice package. Yeah. So Excellent. Got, so this is you... all lies. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. Sure, I'm sure it wouldn't be. I'm pretty sure you no, don't no, seem like you've deceived too many of us. It's true, never. Okay, no way. So that's uh, just a little bit of information on Bastard North there for you. They've got a new release, October 19th. October 19th will be with the release. October 19th have a new release in uh, location in question. Uh, be Bombay Rock. Excellent. So that's where you can find more information about them. You can also check them out on Facebook, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud. Or but... Smashfest. Smashfest. There we go. I've done my plug. Thank there you. you go. There you go, Thank you very much. You're doing my job for me, and much better, <laughs> might I add. But I, I've been brought... We have been brought together, boys. Um... You requested to do a battle between Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood and Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's, um, that's a good one. I think we've probably um, had this out a few times in between uh, breaks at band practice, just um, on these two. I mean, we really would have loved to um, do a Motorhead one, but you guys did a freaking smashing job on the, uh, was it Back in Black? Back in Black and Ace of Spades. Spades. Enjoyed listening to that during the week. Um, But look, these are great albums. They are great albums. What is it about them that they gravitate to, that you gravitate to? Oh, well, you know, um, as I was telling you off air a bit earlier on, I mean, uh, uh, Appetite came out in 87 and that was just an amazing year for uh, hair metal, the genre, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, the... White Snakes, 1987, uh, Def Leppard's Hysteria, I think, came out in 87, Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue, Appetite for Destruction. There were just bands, and there's, there's a bunch more. You can look it up on the internet. Just look up Rock in 87. Um, there was just all the bands at the time were just kicking goals. It was just a great, great time of, of um, for rock, and then out came Appetite, and it just exploded. It was an amazing record. It captured that time really well I think and I think that's the strength of it Deep. Mark's, Mark's probably yeah, he's going to win on some of these arguments because he was alive and you know I was uh, for these albums to come out I was born in 86 so Were you? my first introduction to Guns N' Roses was uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day coming oh, out and so you know Usual Illusion era and okay. they were just over video hits and rage and my mum hated them which is always going to you know make you get into something pretty much <laughs> my mum hated Guns N' Roses but probably rightly so like you know I don't know how not, good, not good a bloke Axel was you know at that stage but um, I just couldn't get enough of them at that stage I, I remember the grade sixes at uh, Commercial Road Primary School in Morwell if you could sing the fast bit in uh, uh, what's the song that bit no 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 in the big song that was in the Terminator 2 clip uh, you could be mine. You, could be you mine. know, there's the fast bit. <laughs> so they'd all be in the playground, uh, you know, seeing who could get further into the lyrics. And this is when you couldn't, you know, Google the lyrics. And, yes. And you, you know, Pre-Google. You, and you, pro- you probably had a, a taped cassette, so you didn't have the liner notes. So it yeah, was, it was just times. huge. But then it wasn't until oh, a few years after that that someone gave me my first cassette of Appetite. And it just blew me away. I thought Guns N' Roses were amazing, but there's something special about that album, especially being a debut. I, I just, I shudder to think, how do you be a bunch of, you know, dropouts and and whatever <laughs> and come together and just go, pow, 
here is appetite for destruction. It, it it blows my mind. So I gather, John, you coming in today, you you are believing that uh, appetite for destruction will win this battle today. Oh yeah, look, I know how strong Mark's going to argue for some of the hey, songs. You, no, I'm not um, going to so argue about it. Mark, you are you are feel good leaning. I'm I'm definitely the feel good okay. uh, thing. I think Appetite was a great great record, um, but I think out of these two, feel good just punches. Yeah, look, God, both albums give you something they different. Do. Definitely, they do. You, look, there's still going to be no losing, which, however, it comes out. They're both great, great records that like, everyone um, should seek out, and everyone oh, should have. Definitely, definitely. Like Doctor Feelgood makes me want to put on an eye patch and pretend I'm in a dystopian future, <laughs> I'll, uh, Escape from LA. You know, and I just think that's the perfect soundtrack for that. But um, Appetite for Destruction, even though I was listening to it uh, long after it. Um, it it came out. That was my soundtrack. You know, right. I got around in a in a Guns N' Roses t shirt and yeah. drove around in beat up Commodores just blaring it and it was <laughs> awesome. I I tied up my long hair and came out of my kiss uh, kiss alcove and wandered down the record store and bought bought it when it came out and I've still got the damn thing on vinyl. Well that'd she's, be She's she's a bit well played, but I've still got it. Be worth quite a bit if you put it up on auction, wouldn't you? Mm, maybe. An original pressing. It's hard to yeah, come about was, these yeah, days. Exactly. Okay, I think that's enough talking. I think it is time to put these albums one-on-one against each other. This is you guys, you guys requested this for me to do. And luckily, thank you very much for doing that because leading into this, I was a very, very, very casual Guns N' Roses listener. I'd never listened to a Motley Crue song ever. So this was a wonderful adventure for me. Wow. Look, feel good's the, the nice way in. Jeez. Okay. An it, it is. It probably is. Mm. And on that note, let's the battle begin. Timekeeper, please ring the bell. Thank you very much. Okay, let's start off with track one. Now, these are going to be treated as individual tracks, by the way. TNT, Terror in Tinseltown versus Welcome to the Jungle. No, no you can't do that because I, it's I, just look, a little intro. You can. We've it discussed is, it before we came online, really? and I was happy yes. to oh, I was whoosh. happy to lose the first song because there's no way that the little... It's you know intro. what that, the intro reminds me of. It's a it's like um what oh, Ice T's band um body count body count yeah it's the oh, body count has a like it'll be a police siren hey what are you doing down there it's and I think that if you I listen to it in headphones today it says um a young man is oldying out the front of us blah 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 it's just oh. it sets the scene it it's a but, little bit of color do they need it you know it does set the scene admittedly well, it's a good transition but track, you think of what comes after it you think oh. Look, yeah, I, I, I would, look. I'm. I was willing to just take this one on the chin and go tear in Tinseltown. I was trying. I was tr- trying to go on the bat, but you know, come on. Welcome to the it's jungle. That's a no-brainer. It's welcome to the jungle. That is a great song, and that that to open that album with a song that strong. Oh yeah, you, <laughs> that's song number one. That is song number one. If you put that record on and that ding 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 ding. The intro to the guitar. I think the intro guitar. It's. It's polarising between what Mick Mars does on guitar and what um, Slash does. Mm. And I think it, it sort of sums it up there. Is when, um, and Mick Mars is a great guitarist, don't get me wrong. When Mick Mars plays guitar and tries to make it sound like other things, it sounds like a guitar with lots of effects on it. When Slash tries to make it sound like other things, it does. Like the guitar sort of transforms into all these other landscapes. And I think that's probably the big difference. One of the differences from me. That's just what I'm hearing, but uh, that's, that's one of the reasons why I think Avatar's a stronger album. But come on, welcome to the jungle. It's welcome to the jungle. Isn't it's it? welcome yes. to the jungle. I mean, that's 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 an easy one. Here's a fun fact about the lyrics. Um, Axl Rose wrote the lyrics about the dark side of Los Angeles when he was in Seattle when he had time away to take when he had time away from the city. 
I thought it was because he was finding himself in the city and this guy came up to him and went, You know where you are? You're, You're in, in the jungle, jungle baby. baby. You're going to die. I think that might have been in a different city. Yeah, right. right. But like, this is one of the things I struggle with with song. Like, someone comes up to you in the street and gives you gold like that, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm going to write one of the greatest." Yeah, well, this, write this a You know what? People come up to me in the street. They're like, "G'day, mate. Can I have a smoke?" <laughs> like, sh- how many songs can you write songs about that? You know, like, <sighs> give me some good lyrics, man. Jeez, I hope you made it up. I hope you just made it up and came up with a backstory that made yeah. me sleep better at night. Uh, well, I'm, I'm happy to be down one nil after that one. Yeah, it's one nil yeah, across I the board. Cannot talk to Cook against Welcome to the Jungle. Great no, song. Can't. But here's some debate: Doctor Feelgood versus It's So Easy. Oh, that's easy. And it, it's so easy. In fact, it's uh, Doctor Feelgood. Ooh, okay. Do you know what? When I first listened to it, I didn't enjoy, it, but it's grown on me ever since preparing for this podcast. Doctor Feelgood. It has grown on me. Yes. It's a great. But riff. It's So Easy is really, really good fun. See, see, I'd say It's So Easy is probably one of the weakest songs on the album. Would you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think there is a weak song on that album. Oh, yeah. They've done plenty of weak songs. I just don't think it's on that album. So if you wanted to listen to the best of Guns N' Roses you put on Appetite, you wanted to listen to the best of Motley Crue, you'd go buy a compilation. You'd go buy a compilation. That's all right. We've already gotten something controversial. But I'm going to give it to to Phil. I I can't argue I have to ponder with that for a minute. He can always edit this out later. Let me, hmm... No, if I was... No, introduction to Motley Crue, I'd probably go Girls, Girls, Girls. That's a great album from Go To Way. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to talk about that tonight. Anyway, so the the winner of this one is definitely Dr. Feelgood. I'm going to give it to Feelgood. It's got that D down, as I was saying, that's, it's tuned down to D like most of Motley Crue. It's just got that chunk. And it just makes you want to put your leather pants on and go and get a convertible. Is it the same theme as um, Dr. Occupy? Motorhead. Is that what it is, Dr. Feelgood? Is he, you know, like a vendor of good times? And Dr. Feelgood is a, is a, a vendor, a purveyor of certain things that we won't be discussing. Let's get tonight. this rock and roll party going on. We'll get Dr. Feelgood in. He'll, he's, we'll, he'll, he'll get it rocking. It's probably down the same line as Dr. Rock. Yeah, okay. Uh, Mark, can I just quickly ask the question on the title track? Mm. Um, Vince Neil has considered the song as their signature song. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. It is really? The, that's Motley Crue. That's, that's the... The, Personification the, the, of them, the the chunk, the just the riff. Not live wire. Oh, jeez. Not kickstart my heart. Kickstart my heart. No, oh, that's a sort of a. Really? Out, oh, that's, that to me, that's Motley Crue. That's got all the components for Not Motley Crue. Not quite sleazy for enough for Crue. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I'm happy to give it to Feel Good on this one. I, I think okay. that riff alone is you know, coming up with that, you must. You'd have a smile on your Another face, quick question on about the guitar riffs and all that. Is there, just from a guitar technique perspective, because I'm very curious about this, do you, is there technically tapping in the solo? Like there's tapping techniques going on. Oh, I don't know. It sounds like, it's like a little bit of delay and, and things. Like it's it's got a lot of stuff going on. I don't know. I know Mars is a fan of tap, but he's also a fan of, uh, of his whammy bar. Yeah. So yeah, I thought there was a lot quite of whammy, whammy in there. In there. Oh, yeah, there's heaps of whammy. There's a whammy. From go to woe when you're listening to the crew, eh, nothing wrong with that. But uh, as far as tapping, oh, I don't know. You'd have to. I'd have to look at a clip, I guess. Oh no, there is. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. There's tapping going on. You're very close to convincing me. I still think it's so easy. It grabbed me much quicker than it did feel good. Look, it it grabbed me much quicker. I must say. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm just. What's your opinion if you're concerned? You're the appetite leaning guy, and yet you're still willing to go. Oh, I just think, yeah, look, it's it's a fantastic song. Uh, 
again, like, I don't think there's a weak song on the album. I just, you know, for a bit of back and forth, I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm happy with my decision. You're I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with feel good. I'm genuinely, I'm actually going to take it so easy. Yeah, okay. Ooh, controversial. I genuinely am going to take it so easy. Ooh, so it's, it's two, it's I'm, two I'm, Neil Guns and Roses way on my end. Well, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be unhappy with that. Weak. Everyone. Fine. He's gonna feed your Frankenstein. All right. Track number three: Slice of Your Pie versus Night Train. Slice of Your Pie. So this one's another one that grew on me recently. I couldn't care less about it the first time I listened to it. Now it's starting to enjoy me. It's got that, like, that gritty attitude. Is it? To is it. it got that at the end of it? Is it that do 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 do? Like it sort of goes into a bit of a slow bit. Yes, it does. You know what that is? That is what I hear in this song is the Beatles. I hear um, Beatles chord changes and like ah, like Beatles harmonies, Sergeant Pepper era, and that outro is the end of She's So Heavy, which is off. Would not Abbey Road. Would not surprise me. Uh, it's surprising. like so similar. Like it's definitely them tipping their hat. Oh yeah. But um, I I never heard Beatles references in uh, Motley Crue. I Until think, this week. I think so. Nicky Six is openly a Beatles, huge Beatles fan. Oh, well, he has huge, to be. Um, like, there's a song later on. Aerosmith fan. Got. That was the other oh, one. Well, a huge yeah. Aerosmith oh, fan. Of course. I mean, they're an extension of Aerosmith. They are. Um, definitely. But, um, and what was the Gunners track, sorry? Uh, Night Train. Oh, Night Train? <laughs> Night Jeez. Train. Night Train, I found out, was a song about uh, a brand of wine that Cheap they could wine? only afford. Mm. It was the only um, alcohol they could afford. Obviously, you know. Look, That's I'm, what you write about, I I'm, guess. Whoop-de-doo. I'm probably doing myself no favours here, but as, as I said at the start, there are no losers. Yes. Either album is fantastic. Yeah. I'd probably have to go for Night Train on that one. I'd agree with you, Mark. And you know what I like about Night Train is if you didn't know that it was cheap wine, and you probably don't because we don't mm. have Night Train. We have Pretty Lexia. Or Colt 45. You know. that, what's that awful stuff you can buy in 7 oh, yeah, no, America? I'm sure it's called Colt 45. I did, but... Uh, um, yeah, I, I really like how... That uh, you didn't know that that was going on, like the it was about cheap wine. It's still an awesome song about I'm on a train and it's yeah, it at sounds night. like he's on he's on a night train off somewhere, which it's is a, it's a train journey, which is pretty boring, really. You think about it, it's just public transport. But the way he sings it, it's this is the coolest train. It ever. sounds like a kick-ass driving it, song as well. Oh, it is, it I, is the whole album. Oh yeah, I wrote I wrote in my I wrote in my notes. This is probably the third the third song across this whole album. We're three songs in, all of them I could put on the perfect driving list. Driving playlist. Definitely. Night Night Train's good. Yeah, I'm taking Night Train too. What are you going to take? Oh, Night Train all the way. All the way. I'll have another glass of Night Train. Night Train. Also, a big shout out to PTV. You do good work. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they do do good work. But uh, just just so we don't do a disservice to Slicey Pie, that song did grow on me. It is a good song, but, you know, up against Night Train, I'm going to have to admit defeat on that one. It's, uh, It's definitely not. Mm. So currently the scores stand at Mark, leading Appetite Destruction two to one, Ooh. two to one for John. Appetite Destruction and for myself it is three nil. Three Four. nil. Three nil. Jeez. All right. Bias. Bias. <laughs> I told you he'd be the argumentative one. Argumentative. I'm putting points gently. Friendly, friendly uh, discourse. Friendly discussion. Exactly. Friendly discourse. It is on the Great Metal Standoff. Rattlesnake Shake versus Out to Get Me. Oh yeah, actually, that's a good that's a good pairing because I I, I say out to get me is not not, not a strong the, song, the, not the strongest one on the it, album. Yeah, I'd say so too. Yeah, it's not. And I'd say, I'd say rattlesnake shakes. It's very much. I don't think like that's it, their it could have been a, a cut cut it from the 
Ben, uh, Jesus, and it cut from an Aerosmith album that you know Definitely. they picked it up and they've yeah. gone, oh, you know, and and this is another thing that I, you know, you can sing about the animals in America and they sound cool, you know, coyotes and, <laughs> and grizzly bears and rattlesnakes. Imagine what do we got in Australia? You go, oh, the koala bear rumble, you know, it's just it's hmm. so much harder to kangaroo, can, kangaroo hop. Yeah. But um, I'm gonna the echidna oh. shuffle. I've got nothing. I'm working on it. I'm gonna say it's so easy, uh, only because I'd say, oh, I'll just because uh, I'm on the gunner's side. Um, but I don't know if there's that much between it. Rattlesnake Shake is a good song. I think it's so easy is definitely one of the weaker tracks on yeah, that. But you know what's bad I'm about Rattles- it's so easy or out to get me. Sorry, what are we doing? Out to We're get doing me. Out to get me versus Rattlesnake Shake. Rattlesnake, Rattlesnake Snake Shake's got those fake orchestral hits on the keyboard as well, which really annoys me. It did say it had a horn section. It doesn't have a horn section. That's it's a keyboard. It's like a Casio keyboard. Right. Those orchestral hits, and which annoys me because if if Motley Crue weren't doing so many extracurricular activities, they could have definitely afforded a horn section, but they've wheeled in the Casio. <laughs> They're getting points off for that. I think it was yeah, actually no, a horn that's section. Me. Nah, I think it was a not. horn section. It's the, it's the thinnest, weakest, most electric sounding horn section I've ever heard. Well, that's <laughs> down to Bob Rock. What are you doing, Bob? You're saving, uh, saving cash. <laughs> you imagine the budget they had on the album. Rattlesnake shake for me. Rattlesnake shake no for you. No nah. You're going to take out, out to, to get, get me? me yeah. Uh, uh, it's a great song. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. If if Out to Get Me went up against Slice Your Pie, in my mind, Slice Your Pie would get the point. Because I don't care. I couldn't really care less for Rattlesnake Shake. So I'm only giving the point to Out to Get Me only because I don't like Rattlesnake Shake. Oh, I'm getting... Do the Rattlesnake Shake. Nah. Come on, it's such a booty shaker. Nah. A booty That's shaker. It's lazy. That's what I feel. <laughs> it's lazy it's songwriting? Lazy. It's lazy. Okay. Mr. Brownstone versus Kickstart My Heart. Oh, no my brainer. God. No brainer. Yeah. Brownstone, of Kick course. Kickstart. When I went and saw um, Velvet Revolver, this is the closest I've seen to uh, going to see Guns N' Roses, never seen them live. All I wanted them to play that night was Mr. Brownstone, and they did. And it was awesome. And I'm going to say Mr. Brownstone. And you know what? Really great example of that overpronounced vowel, which I think comes down to Scott Wheeland and Axl Rose being Brown. masters of... You know, I'll just... Nah, Brownstone, always. Kickstart. And isn't it interesting, both the subject matters are pretty dark, are but dark. yet they're this kind of boogie and, you know... Uh, I don't know. I, I Kick, do like Kickstart. Kickstart my heart. The... The quintessential driving song, powerful, powerful riff. It's just, you know, it's it's a great song from Go To Way. It's classic Motley Crue. It is. It's, uh, to me, I mean, Brownstone, I can take it or leave it. Nah, I mean, it's, I agree it's, with it's, you, Mark. It's a good song, but... Nah, Brownstone all the way. Again, I'll, I'll look, look as much as I like Appetite, I think there are some weak songs on it and because I've written every classic rock song under... Oh, the songs I write, they're amazing. Um, <laughs> but that's probably... Up against Kickstart. Nah. nah. I just, I Kickstart I think my it's, heart it's just, all the way. It's aged because of all that reverb they chucked on it. See, I always listen to Appetite and obviously Appetite for Destruction and Kicks and uh, Dr. Feelgood all week. And I think sonically, if you're speaking strictly sonically, Appetite for Destruction has really aged. It's got that... I was, I was, I was prepared to say the reverb, and I thought that that '89 feel good what are you talking thing, about? Bob Rock. Whoa, yeah, that so Bob much, Rock production just stands up. So much like, reverb on that snare that uh, it's it's still going now, on in know, my car that I parked ten minutes ago from <laughs> listening to to. You know, Lars likes reverb. 
So we can't knock the reverb. Yeah, you, reverb, you've got to use it right. And I think, I don't know, this is probably where it is uh, a little bit different, is I think that Appetite stands up in the modern day far better than uh, Feel See, Good. I would say the exact opposite. But, and you know, it comes down to production. And yeah, I would say it comes down, down to production. But I really like Bob Rock's production. I mean, he's done Feel Good. He did Veruca Salt's Eight Arms to Hold You, which is a brilliant, brilliant album. He did the first Kingdom Come one. What else has he done? Obviously, he's had the work with Metallica, which directly came out of Feel Good. Yes. Um, Yeah, Lars Ulrich actually uh, was so impressed by the production of Dr. Feel Good that that's why he got Bob Rock onto Metallica's side for the Black Album. Yeah, well, there you go. I guess, I don't know, I just kind of like that maybe more, I don't know, rock sort of underproduced sound. Yeah, I like my gloss. It's true. It's true. It's true. At least we can agree on that. Anyway, but so does that say, just mean that um, I'm saying Kickstarter crew got one. The crew get one. Uh, the crew got one on my end, most definitely. I went for Kickstart my heart. So now the scores stand for myself: four one to Appetite, two all for Mark, and it is four. And it is. Uh, do you take uh, Mr. Brownstone? Oh, of you? course. Four, oh, boo. It's four one to John. In so favor as of you Appetite. can see, I'm the only oh, one with the Christ. balanced, considered point of view, willing to listen to all sides. Okay. <laughs> just uh, just a on a quick well, uh, just a quick little um, uh, digression here. Uh, what, what is what do you look for in Bastard North production? To be quite frank, I leave it to these guys because it's well above me. Boils <laughs> down, to, boils down to one thing: the so. cheapest way we can do it. No, no it's um, <laughs> the, most the first we've... one we did was pretty DIY. We yep. were just in a uh, rehearsal studio, uh, pretty big room, and where did we do that? Bakehouse, Bakehouse. and, and um, we lugged in a whole bunch of gear and sort of made it all work and um, did some overdubs in the shed at uh, the guitarist's place. Um, we say shed, but he's actually yeah, a very he's nice. Got a, he's, he's, he's done well. Set up. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. nice. It, um, yeah, and then we, we got the drummer to mix it and then I think we sent it off to get it mastered by someone else. Um, Tick. But it was pretty pretty good. Um we're certainly happy with it. Yeah. And then this time uh, we brought in Gregor Friday to mm. um, to produce us basically, and he's now mixing and mastering. And he's amazing, so he, he's taken us to that next level uh, where we didn't have to worry about you know plugging things in and yeah. pushing record and things like that. But um, yeah, I don't. Know. I I still think that um, like we probably sound best live. Um, you know, I, I just that's how well, it's probably because that's how I hear us the most. But I always think that oh, some of our live versions of the songs, you know, probably never yeah. be able to replicate in the studio. We, we've we've struggled a bit with that. We've um, we're definitely a live band, um, and we've noticed that when we've tried to record stuff before, that it just loses the passion or something. Uh, but Gregor was amazing. I've never had so much fun being told, you know. Do it again. Yeah, do it again. <laughs> or uh, yeah, that was good, but that, I think you got a better one in you. Is and that all you got? No, I don't like that. Try that again. I've never had so much fun being told that. It was it was a really good experience, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how we how it all comes out. Mm. It's uh, great fun recording. I I, I, you know, I I think the live album. I always listen to the live album. You know, right. That's Would what? you say it's just it's more of a balancing act, isn't it, between uh, how you sound live and how you sound in the studio? Is there uh, no, some it's a, it's, a, of... it's a window. So for us, okay. it's a window. So right. it's, it's like playing pool. If we in that really good frame of mind, and um, you know, we've had you know a bit of a relax during the day, and, and you know, listen to some good bands on before us and things like that, that's generally when we really shine. But um, the zone, yeah, the zone. There's definitely a zone. Right. Okay. Excellent. So trying to trying to balance that across four days of recording was. Whew. 
tricky for us. Excellent. All right, now back to the battle. Next dun, up. Dun, dun. Next up, without you versus Paradise City. Paradise City without you is the cheesiest. The, the ballad. Cheesiest. It's oh, one is, of them. It's the one of the ballads. Ballad. It's the first ballad. Look, I'm not a fan of without you. I'd, I'd probably. I'd rather listen to Bon Jovi if I want to hear that. Oh, bon Jovi is amazing. Bon Jovi, I'm yeah, not great. saying anything against bad, bad about Bon Jovi, but I'm just saying if I, if I want to hear a big lovey-dovey ballad, yeah. acoustic guitars. You'd listen and... to Always, wouldn't you? Yeah, the first, wow. the first five Bon Jovi. Up to Keep the Faith, they were amazing. After that, I don't know what happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those things, but um, that's what I hear. I hear. I hear that. I probably that. I, it's a cross between Bon Jovi and Queen. You know, it's kind of got that sort of... Well, it was 89. Yeah. You know, everyone, yeah, it was the standard thing with the, the metal bands. You had to have the power ballad. But you've got to give the, the, the band a rest on the stage as well. I think that's what those, some of those songs are designed to do. <laughs> Every band had, you know, White Snake had Is This Love and, you know, I'm sure... There's, is there a ballad on Appetite? No, you've got to go to Use Your Illusion. Like R- Rocket Queen's probably the closest one. Yeah. Um, Small fun fact about Without You. It is a song about the drummer Tommy Lee's relationship with, the, with actor Heather Locklear. Hmm. They were married for a, a what, quite a while. Good on them. Yeah, yeah. right. Good yeah. on them. Uh, did, uh, are they still know. together or was it oh, one of those funny celebrity <laughs> relationships where it just didn't work out in the end? Oh, he's... Oh, they were genuinely... How many times has he been married? Twice? Oh, three? Must be more than that. They were definitely they were married for a number of years. It wasn't any flash he's in the pan. He was married to Pam Morris. He was married to Pam. And for I think there was another Playboy bunny in there, at some point. I know they, I'm sure they all might have. How about this? If you want to fact check us, hit us up facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod. Fact, fact check the uh, Motley Crew uh, wives and partners, please, and give us a list so we we'll learn. Uh, uh, good. Yeah. Good. That's Learning very is good. good. Thanks very much for that input there. But um, definitely... Uh, oh, sorry. More fun uh, fun facts about Paradise City. It is the only song on Appetite for Destruction to feature a synth. It does. It has Axel playing a little synth line, which is tasteful, whereas I find that some of the synth in, in the... Uh, so the Gunner's synth is tasteful. It is. It is. It is. The Motley synth is... It's just enough. Is, right. It's just enough. If it well, makes I'm, you feel I'm good. rejecting that flatly. <laughs> really? All synth is no Paradise City. It's a great song. It's got that um, coda on the end where it just takes off. Oh, yeah, that's the yes. best thing about it. You, you're halfway through the song, you're thinking this song rocks, and then it takes your head off. Yep, goes to another level. So you're in agreement too, John. It is Paradise City. Yeah, definitely. I, I saw there was a um, a VHS down at Civic Video in Warrigal when I grew up. A VHS, a and it, it was MTV Live, and it had Kiss playing. Something in a massive stadium. It had Megadeth playing um, Peace Cells. Ooh, and Megadeth. It was, but it had Guns N' Roses in a tiny club. Izzy Stradlin still on the stage. And Axl Rose jumps into the crowd and they rip his shirt off. And he, you know, it, it's just amazing. It, it must have been, you know, on that first tour, I guess. Yeah. But it would have been like a 500 um, capacity venue. And like, my God, what a band. But they play Paradise City. Sand Synth. It's brought one of the best live performances I've ever seen. Never been able to find the clip on YouTube, though. Really? Well, it's Just, probably on a VHS somewhere. Yeah, I, well. If maybe. someone has the VHS, please put it on YouTube. Please message John. <laughs> Definitely. Or put it on YouTube. Yes. We all, the, more, the, more, the more it's out there, the more we can be exposed, right? Did we all agree on Paradise we City? We all agreed on Paradise oh, City, and John and I both sit 5-1 in favour of Appetite, where it's actually competitive on your end, Mark, 3-2. 3-2. Well, you know, you've got to, be, you've got to think about these things, don't you? Yeah. But, you know, Motley, Motley Crue are going to come on strong at the end. 
They're gonna get. Do you, do you think we're witnessing a comeback story? Do you do you believe? I don't know. I forget the track list, but uh, yeah, there's definitely been some good ones come out yeah. already, though. Here's uh, another one. Here's the next one. Same old situation or SOS versus my Michelle. My Michelle, hands down. Same old situation. Nah. So okay. It, it, Locking that in? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, same I love old... my Michelle. I think it's great. Terrible song. Um, no, nah, it's fine. Um, same old situation. They still play it. They, up until they finished up... When did Crew finish up? I'm oh, thinking New Year's Eve year. 2017 when they, they wrapped up as a touring band. You got really upset about it about last year, I think. Yeah. I went on the Wikipedia thing and it wiki. said it looks like they uh, ended around about 2015, 2016, but it, there's a little gap here that says like they've reunited this year or something, like or late last year. There's a little Yeah, they did there. do a couple of tracks for the Netflix show, The Dirt. They okay. recorded the tracks. But as a touring band, they ended... They've retired. On, it was New Year's Eve. Last show was in the Forum LA, from memory. Let anyone right. feel free to fact check that. Um, so they're done as a... But they played it from this album. They played it every tour as best I'm aware up until the end. It's yeah, a I, great I, I, track. I remember them playing it uh, when I saw them. Rod Laver, yeah. Motorhead Open for them. Blew them off the stage, got to say. Motorhead but, um, Open for Motley Crue. Oh, yeah. Wow. I was at that show. No, they didn't. Yes, they bloody well did. And they even had the house lights up for them. That's how much disrespect they showed to Motley Crue. I'll never forget, though, that same night... Um, uh, Foo Fighters were playing at the other big stadium across the road, and as we were filing out, all revved up after seeing the crew, someone yelled out, "Let's go beat up the Foo Fighters crowd!" <laughs> yeah, we don't condone violence. But oh, yes, no, that's funny. No, no one, no one condones violence. No all one. in banter. Yeah, it was all in banter. Uh, when, which year was this when the the Motley Crew came down and there was a Foo Fighters show? Oh, two thousand five, six. Yeah, because I okay. think we got that show. I was living in Perth at the time. We got that show as a one-off festival called the Blackjack Festival. Right. Where I managed to see the Fireballs. Was it the Fireballs? Living End, Motorhead, and Motley Crue, who were doing their Carnival of Sins circus thing. So they had... Yeah, that's not a bad line. ...on uh, stilts and, you know, ringmasters and things. They and only brought half of it to Australia. A, a t- well, there was a ton of pyro and things going boom, so I was happy. Mick but, Mars uh, is off the stage every five minutes getting an injection and a readjustment. Well, the, the man does have ankylizing spondylosis. Not a good disease. And only a true fan would know that. No, yeah. I'm sure lots of people. Good on you, Mick. Um, that was a great show. So there's no... I mean, I look, that was the second time I'd ever seen Motorhead and they were amazing, but there's no way they blew Motley off the stage on the carnival tour. But I'll tell you, my Michelle's a better song. It's got so much attitude. It's dripping in attitude. It's it's really dark uh, subject matter. But I True. I kind of like how at least we're going to mention. I'm going to mention Beatles again. My Michelle Beatles song. I like how it was this kind of nice flip on it, where it's you know you have got Paul McCartney singing Michelle, my bell speaking French, and then they were like, "Your dad is watching porno <laughs> now that mummy's not around." It's just oh, so uh, awesome. Admittedly, so awesome. when I was listening to it, I could picture like a musical performance in a theatre, like a very operatic kind of feel. Really? I, in I, my I, mind, I thought it'd be funny if you did a stage adaptation of that song. Oh, jeez. Well, you're fresh to both albums. What, what, what would you say had a same old situation in my Michelle? Same old situation got a little bit repetitive. It's, um, what did I put down in my little notes? It felt like party music to me. It's That's a, exactly it's a party right. Song. It's the same old situation a is a party, it's they a party, are a party rock band. song. And that's probably what that's that's in my wheelhouse. I like, I never got into grunge and everything because it was okay. Really, I like Nirvana a bit. You said they sucked. 
We could. Well, play, I'm we trying to. I'm trying to, to play. Bleach. I'm trying to get the kids on side, man. They get the we kids try, on side. We try to play negative creep, and you said no. They suck. Do you? Can you sing negative creep? Oh, probably not like Kurt Cobain, but you no. know, I was going to give it a stab. Give it a go. All right. I think I had to play Lithium in a band once, and it was it was just oh my god. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was like, fingernails down a blackboard. That one. Anyway, same old situation. <laughs> it's a good, same old situation. It's a good party rock song. Uh, I think it beats Why Michelle. That but, for you, Mark, has led it to three all. Well, there you go. The man is unbiased. Is it? A, is it Impar- like a breakup song? Is it? I'm. You know. I'm, I'm sick of my current partner, same old ball and chain. Is that what the reference is? I believe so. Though willing to be corrected. I've, the lyrics are blanked. For a man who, who likes Motley Crue as much as I'm completely blanked on the lyrics at the moment. My, what I've got here, My Michelle is a song about a friend of the band, Michelle Young. So if you mm. went to look up uh, about the woman, Michelle Young, you'd probably find out about her story. You'd probably get... We're going to have a lot of homework. We're going to have a lot of homework for the people that listen to this. Can we'll have an essay, fifteen hundred words. Yes, uh, reference research. I've just forgotten it. In fairness, I I I painted a bunch. I could um, think a lot of like visual ideas. Like I I could see myself sitting in a theatre watching like a musical of My Michelle taking place, Mm. and that's why I'm going to take My Michelle. Yeah. Just because I could draw a bunch of like my own little artiste. I'm going to take same old situation because I don't like thinking too much. I just like uh, good rock and roll. My My Michelle makes me think of Natural Born Killers. Good film. That's that's that kind of you know. It's dark, dark, dark. Yeah, right. I'm a shell. I'm has got that I like, well, I like paddling well, along well. the top of the water. You yeah, just can't tell. You know, and it goes back to well, sort of like a Beatles song. My yeah. Michelle. Oh, it's just it's fingernails. No, no, it's same. Anyway, a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's getting very more begrudging as we go along, isn't it, Mark? No, no. Look, either album, you can't go wrong. Yeah. All right. Sticky Sweet versus Think About You. Think about you. Oh, that's got to have synth in it as well, actually. I'm blanking. How's think, thinking about you go? I'm thinking about you. You know. There's a bit of a. I just a... wanted him to sing. Keep going. I'm thinking about you. <laughs> um, it's kind of like. It's similar to some of the first three songs. Kind of like It's So Easy and Night Train, but it's got a little bit of acoustic melody in the yeah. chorus. I, I reckon that's got. That's, synth that's in a it nice as well. little different put to it. Placing to it, I Oh, say. yeah, it's all come flooding back. Thinking back. I'm not going to sing. Wow. There's lots of, lots of James Brown kind of. I was talking about him today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But um, Sticky Sweet. Oh, oh, sticky Sweet gets mentioned. Like, Sticky Sweet, Sticky This, She's Sticky. It's all over that album. Yeah. Aerosmith I... Steve Tyler sang backing vocals on this song. On Sticky Sweet? Yes. Yeah, right. Unsurprising. Jeez. There you go. The master coming in, like the like the eldest passing on the baton. It's um apparently from what I read, it was because um, Aerosmith were recording one of their albums at the time in the same studio, so they were hanging out quite a lot during that period up. of time. What were Can they you imagine permanent vacation? Yeah, you know, hear all these stories. It's like oh, you know, bloody freaking I don't know. Fact check. When did permanent vacation Whoever. came? Eddie out? Van Halen was just down the road, so we thought, oh, can you just do some backing vocals? <laughs> Even though you, hey Steve, you can know, you stick your head in? Don't worry about the guitar, right. yeah. but you know, just do some oi oi's. In a more contemporary you. sense, Foo Fighters did the exact same thing with Con- Concrete and Gold a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Had mm-hmm. a bunch of people come in: Justin Timberlake, Boys to Men. They how, did all. Look, a bunch how good are Foo Fighters? Let's just take a moment. How good are Foo Fighters? Yeah, not convinced. They're one of my favourite bands. Oh, I just nah. I wanted to beat them up. Nah, nah. <laughs> 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 all in jest. Um, Oh geez, I, I reckon yes, I reckon yes. it's going to be a landslide. <laughs> the Motley Crew after after my uh, Foo Fighters comments, maybe perhaps. Yeah, but I'm still be... I'm sticking with. Um, please uh, 
get ready with all your pitchforks and uh, everything at uh, Building 6. But what, what is Sticky Sweat about? What's he trying to say there? Uh, you know what he's trying to say. I feel like and, and self-explanatory. Look, I'm gonna actually going to have to go... Uh, what's the title of the Gunner song? Think About You? Yeah, I'm going to have to go Think About You. I think that's a good tune. I yeah. think we're all in agreement on this one. Mm. Think about... I yeah, reckon it's got Having a little well. dance along here. Look up that, I want to know. Sticky Sweet, it's a good song, but it, it's it's bubblegum rock, and I don't think it can stand up to. It is. That. There's a lot of cheese. It, it that's cheese. That's probably one of the weakest tracks on that album. Ooh, hot take there. Currently, this is what the scores stand at at the moment. Mm, mm, mm. John, Appetite for Destruction for you is leading seven one, as with I. <laughs> it's seven to one. Mark. Even Guns N' Roses for you is in the lead at four three. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, you know. Wow. This is how we learn, we discuss, we, you know, we assess. Oh, you're so adamant no, during the week. No though. opinions have to be set. I mean, you, you must learn. Yeah. Oh, Grow. Look, hey, chuck them both on your Spotify playlist and dance around in your kitchen. You'll have a great time, guaranteed. That's what yep. I was doing in the week leading up to this yeah. podcast. There you go. All I know is if I go to put a record on any of those two, it'll be feel good every time. So, Okay. This one I feel like is a complete mismatch. She Goes Down versus Sweet Child of Mine. Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah, she Goes Down in 2019. You can't be that, you wouldn't, that, you wouldn't, It wouldn't make the album, would it? No. You know. But it was a different time. It was a it different was. time. It was a different time. time. It was 89. For better. Yeah, in, definitely for the better. It was, a, it was a time of massive hair and skin-tight leather pants. Spandex. And that was on the guys. And you know what? Sweet Child of Mine has been absolutely ruined by commercial radio stations. So what, look, through being overplayed? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. That's the worst thing. Is you know, If you were going to get into classic rock or rock or whatever and your, your portal was... Or you, all you had was uh, commercial radio, Jesus, you miss out on all the good <laughs> stuff. Exactly. You know, that's, look, the, that's the only Gunner song you're going to hear. Yeah. Look, um, uh, it yeah. is a mismatch, look, isn't it? I'm, oh, look, I'll, I'll be honest. Sweet Child of Mine, I'm, I'm absolutely sick of it. I... I I can't hear it every time I hear. It's beautifully crafted. Every song. time I hear that riff, I turn it off because lyrics it, are amazing. It's just been She's played got to eyes death. The bluest skies. However, it's going to beat she goes. It's down, a great song, and it it's going to beat she goes down every day of the week. Mismatch. I reckon we've said enough on that one. I yep. we can. What, no, I, I want to actually ask a few questions about this song. Actually, I know it's. What the... is your stance on slash hating it? Oh, can you I imagine playing that riff all the time? But the fact that he came about and he thought, oh, this whole guitar line is a joke, and it became one of the most iconic songs it was of the a, time. It was a guitar exercise, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. it is. But can you imagine being slashed and like, I've got to go buy myself a new Les Paul, I'm going to go down to Music Centre or whatever they got. You walk in through the door and you hear someone going, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, badly. Ah, damn. You have to turn around. Do guitar stores have like, you know, they'll have... They have the sign that says no stairway. Have they got like a little tacked on that says oh. a, no, a no sweet child? <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's another one. Blackbird. Oh, here we go. The Beatles. Black, again. Apparently that's the, yeah, it's those three that... Um, Maybe even Fade to Black. You could put Fade to Black in there. Oh, no, sorry. Not Fade to Black. Enter Sandman. Enter Sandman. Yeah. There should be a list. Of overplayed riffs. Just get on the Facebook and, and give us a list of songs that should never be allowed to be played in a guitar, in the guitar store. Yeah, why not? Send your list. Facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod. Here's a little bonus fact I found. I want to get your opinions on this because I'm, I'm not quite sure about this myself. Mm. In 2015, an article on Max was published discussing how Sweet Child of Mine and Australian crawl song Unpublished Critics sounded fairly sim- similar, inviting readers to compare the two. 
The story went viral and eventually became somewhat of a suggestion that unpublished critics influenced Sweet Child of Mine. Ooh, are, are, any of you aware, are any of you aware of the Australian Crawl song Unpublished Critics? Uh, I am not. I, I mean, not. I liked yeah, Aussie I, Crawl back in the day, but yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, remember that one. I like Crawl, but um, no, I, yeah, I would have to go back and listen to that, yeah. I guess. But, but they, were, they would have been touring the States. Like, it's not inconceivable, is it? It's well, there's eight notes. I mean, come on, there's, there's literally eight notes. <laughs> All this stuff's going a bit crazy at the moment. I mean, Led Zeppelin getting sued again but you, you know what? for stealing that riff off that other band, which they might have done. You know what I like? Katy Perry's getting sued. That start is, is not what Slash does. I like what Duff's doing, that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yes. Which sort of um, is a is like a it's what the solo is coming later in you know like great a, bass line oh he's a great bass player mm. he's underrated yeah Duffy's a great great bass player do you take any influence from Duff in your playing Mark uh, too many as notes. a bassist too many notes yeah. too many notes <laughs> so what kind of bassist uh, do you get inspired by look I'm really meat and potatoes I don't get I don't get um, you know back in the day of course you know I used to do all that you know try to be flea and all that sort of like stuff. Pistorius. Tried to be, you know, much better than that. But nowadays, it's it's really meat and potatoes. It's yeah. it doesn't rock wheel out the fretless too often. No, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, I'd uh, bass to me is a drum. It's it's a it's a okay. it's a musical. It's a it's a rhythm instrument. It's not a it's not a guitar. It's a drum. So to be it, it, to me, it's rhythm. It's Which, more important. It's the moose, isn't it? The moose. You know, when you go down to the zoo and you can see the lions and the tigers. And the elephants, or you can see the moose. The base is the moose. It's the bottom end. It's the bit that ties everything together. You're lukewarm water, aren't you? Yeah, we're lukewarm water. Nah, he's fire and he's ice, and I'm lukewarm water. Yeah. Have you ever come to blows in a studio um, wanting the bass to be louder in the mix? Because everyone apparently no. that's the big joke. No, the joke. The, actually, the joke in this band is I keep saying there's too much bass in the mix. Um, <laughs> I, really? I'm, I'm a guitar head. I mean, I like I like listening to guitar. Um, it's just it's just the way I roll, man. It's probably from because I learnt. Classically, I learnt double bass playing in an orchestra, um, and then I switched over to bass. So there's no, you know, when you're playing with 50 people or 80 people in a, in an orchestra, there's no, you know, lead double bass parts. You sort of you're, you're in down the in the mix. You're down in the mix. Well, you're, Nicky you're Six the is chunk. very down in the mix on Doctor Feelgood. Yeah, he it's yeah. he's there. It's a he's, big booming sound, but like you, there's no definition. Yeah, you know? to me it's, that's it's the, very little. That's the perfect is. bass mix. It's, yeah. It's, oh, there's nothing it's wrong there. with it. And Especially when you got someone like Mick Mars and you're in a three piece and you're trying to fill out the sound, like it's exactly what they need to be doing. Yeah, I mean, we're musically we're a three piece, so it's that mm. my role is to fill it out, walk that line between the rhythm guitar and and the drums, and just sort of fill. You're a fine moose, man. I'm a great moose, and I like being a moose. There's one for you, sound engineers. But if you're home. one of these bass players and can do a little, a little more power to you, mm. I, I've forgotten. You've forgotten. I used to do all that stuff in there. All right. Well, there you go. There's one for you bass players out there. All right. We're coming on to the uh, business end of the um, battle. We've got three songs remaining on Appetite and two songs remaining on Feel Good, so the gold star rule will the come gold into star effect rule. later on. Do we get a drum roll? There you go. <laughs> you, should be a, you should be a podcast host yourself, Mark. I like talking into microphones. It's just, it's what would thing. your podcast be on? I don't know. Star Trek? You're right. Star Trek versus Battlestar Galactica versus Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine. Oh, there you go. We geez. could have a, a four-way battle. Take you years to get through that, wouldn't I it? I know. It'd be fun, though. It would be exciting. I'd listen to that. That'd be quite interesting. Okay, back to the battle. Don't go away mad, just go away versus you're crazy. 
Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away, I think is a great, great song. Um, and I'm, I'm pitching for that. It's something different. It's something different. It's can clever. Do you remind me? Don't go away, Matt. No, just go away. Just go away, yeah. Starts all sooky sooky and then takes off a bit towards the end like um, Paradise. I'm with you, Mark. I'm yeah. actually going to take that song too. Clever lyrics, great song. But I must say, you're crazy. I didn't realise that Guns N' Roses can sound quite frenetic. Yeah, it's... Uh, Mm. Crazy. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. You're going to stick with your crazy? Oh, yeah. Only, be, only because I can't I can't even think. <laughs> I only just listened to it five minutes ago. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, I think your crazy is the weakest song on Appetite for Destruction. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's probably going to bury it up the back end. Yeah, that's it? why it's yeah. down there. And uh, yeah, don't go away mad. I don't just go away. It gets it just for the lyric. That's clever. That too. That's yes, clever. Yes, very much so. So yeah, I'm going with Don't Go Away Mad. I might try and quickly go into my uh, fun fact area. Ah, here we go. This is it. Uh, fun fact about the uh, uh, the lyric. Nikki Six wrote the title after hearing it in a movie. He heard the line in a movie. However, he cannot recall what the movie was. And the lyrics also reference to Shout at the Devil song Too Young to Fall in Love. It's kind of a sequel song. To that, to that one back at Shout at the Devil. Yeah, right. There you go. Now I've got too young so to fall in love stuck in my head. It may not have been a movie, knowing Nikki Six. He might have just been talking to a wall or something like that. And Sorry, I'm away. off. <laughs> just walk away mad. No, was it? Don't, don't, don't go, go away, away mad. Just, just go, go away. away. Yeah, right. Clever. It's, it sounds like a Bob Dylan lyric. It's a great breakup song, isn't it? I yeah, mean, he, you, he was a master of breakups. Yeah, so. I mean, if you wanted to break up with your, your partner, you just play them that, and job done. I mean, they'd be out the door... And you can feel, and you can have a bit of optimism about yourself. You're moving on to bigger and better things. Yeah, there's a bit of optimism. And you listen to a good good tune. But if you get dumped, the greatest breakup album of all time is Usual Illusion Two. That'll get you back up on your feet. Oh, that's another show, but I'd probably agree with you. Right. Okay. So with that being said, uh, now the scores stand at Mark. It is five four in favour of Appetite. Still, it's five to four. What are you going to do? How does that make you feel? Fine. It's eye opening. I think. They're both good records. For yourself, they are both good records. For yourself, John, it's nine to one. Oh, staunch. See, the man, the man's just, he's just, he's blind. He's got no vision. <laughs> for myself, it's eight to two. You've got slightly more vision. Slightly more vision. I'll take that as the best compliment I've received all oh, well, year. Thank look, you very much for that, Mark. <laughs> if, if it was like, if you could, you know, if it was, it fell in a different track listing order. Yeah, I and mean, it was um, Kickstart My Heart versus You're Crazy, then, you know, I can see where the points would have gone. Yeah. But Kickstart My Heart came up against Mr. Brownstone. Yeah. And, and Kickstart won. Kickstart won out of the three nah, of us. Nah, not for me. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> it was two to one. Where did that one come from? I must admit, I, I, I can see that it point. It was I mean, John. I mean, I did a podcast myself on ACDC and back, uh, um, Ace of Spades, Back in Black versus Ace of Spades, and I mm-hmm. said if the track listing was a little bit different, Motorhead would have scored way more points. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting way to do when you break down a record track by track, track yeah. by track like this. Yeah, but you know what? They're all trying to achieve the same thing. They're trying to do a beginning, middle, and end, mm. um, you know, give a people a solid bit of a rock. Um, and that, that's, you know, where we're seeing some of these, you know, lesser tracks sort of buried up the end and, you know, maybe one coming down at the start of the record. Well, they're they're this, both very similar, aren't they? This was on vinyl, remember? So yeah, these, these vinyl, tracks, yeah. tracks were down the back of side two. 
Yeah, right. So you well, might not, no might one, not have even got there. Yeah. yeah. Interesting point to think about, but it makes you find... In, I, I, I kind of see... I've found a newfound appreciation for Guns N' Roses because, yeah... Great band. There's some great songs on this album. What happened All right. to them, Now it is time to get to the final Dr. Feelgood song, Time for Change versus the second last on Guns N' Roses, Anything Goes. My way, your way, anything goes tonight. That's a party song, in my oh, opinion. It's yeah. good. It's a good fun. It's versus, catchy, but it is a bit of a party song to me. Surprisingly change. positive. For, uh, now it's time for change. Change. That's another now one of those optimistic songs, isn't it? It's an optimistic. It's John love, Lennon. It's isn't a love it? song, though. It's, yeah. It's another ballad. It's it's John Lennon's solo album, "Give Peace a Chance." You know that kind of everybody. Well, what is the change that Motley Crue wanted to bring about? You'd have to ask Motley Crue. I mean, you know. It's odd, though, don't you think? Because they, all their songs are kind of like, we live in this, you know, hyper rock and roll world where, you know, all the excesses are ours and everything, you know, we want is at our fingertips. What are they trying to change? I don't know. I mean, on a, on a broader scale, I mean, a lot of 80s rock, hair metal, however you want to call it, that was all about positivity. That was all about in the moment, party, you know, life's good, get out there and have fun. I mean, Paul Stanley says that all the time about Kiss, that, you know, they always think about positivity. Um, and I think that a lot of hair metal was about that. It was yeah, all about so, do stuff. You think, but you think it's political? Well, there is the argument that hair metal's right wing, but I don't, I don't get into that. Oh, some of it is. Yeah. Definitely. But um, I, don't think, I don't think Motley Crue, I just wouldn't have thought they would even give them, like, two, two hoots. Two hoots? Who, uh, who was but, in power and who wasn't. Oh, it's not political. I mean, but nothing in this album sounds very political. Well, no. What about this one? What's the change? It's all about emotion. It's all about emotion. It sounds more emotional. It's, it's emotion. emotional, is it? I mean, and you remember change we went, this was at the... This Vince is... Neil described it as gospel-y. Yeah. gospel Okay. So this was the end of... 89 was getting on towards the end of the, the 80s rock hair metal world, and we were just about to get destroyed by... Grunge. Nirvana. And, and, and they foreshadowed it and said it's time well, for change. Jam. Great band. Um, but again, that was emotion. So, you know... 80s rock and everything was very up, very positive, very happy, and 90s grunge was a far more reflective and, you know, down and... Yeah, self-reflective. Self-reflective. Yeah, I'm not so. going to say down. Down's the wrong word. Yeah, it's like a very more self-reflective and... Um, Considered look, point of view where yeah. it was, you know, bands a lot before that was, let's get in the convertible and go for a drive and everything's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, Definitely. I don't think that's what they were talking about. I guess that's a complete segue. What was the song? <laughs> <laughs> it was Time for Change versus Anything Goes. I'm going for Time for I'm Change. I'm going for Time for Change, too. I think it's a great tune. I'm going tune. for Anything Goes. See the really? Man, you know, what are you going to do? Way, your way, anything goes tonight. It's a bad song. It's and a it's bad got that, song. It's got that breakdown where it's... <laughs> like Is it a breakdown? Was that a synth? You know, it's just kind of like a little bit of a, a, a pause in the song where, you know, it sounds like the guitars are malfunctioning or something. It, yeah, it reminded me either, like, you know when in ACDC's TNT it has the young brothers going to that down, ow, dun, ee, dun, dun. I thought it was that between uh, the guitar part and the talk box. I thought I heard a talk box. Yeah, there's talk the, box on it. Is, it's, definitely. Would you definitely. think it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. it's that TNT style, voice box guitar, voice box guitar, voice box guitar. Yeah, maybe something like that. I, I thought, always thought it would have been Izzy and Slash kind of like just right. joking around like just, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love all those little interstitials that uh, these Gunners songs seem to have. You know, they're, they're, they're subtle, you know, yeah. they're definitely subtle. But, uh, you can't even describe it really without sort of going, you know that bit that goes... <coughs> but it's great. In the, uh, I'm pulling a blank. I have, I don't remember that. <laughs> bit. 
No, I think it's good. I think it's definitely... Izzy was the heart and soul of that band, though. Come on, let's admit it. Oh, it's such a shame that, uh, that he left. Um, oh, was kicked out. Ooh. Oh, well, you know, Who knows? whatever, you know. It's... Well, his solo stuff's mind-blowing. Anyways, well. that's time for change. Now it's time for change. Nothing's going... Anyway, I'm not going to sing it. And then, so... What's the, what's the one that's left that gets the gold, in, gold square or the grey square? The gold star, grey star kind of thing. Yes, yeah. so if you really enjoy this song very much, give it a gold star. If you don't really care about it all that much, give it a grey one. It's Rocket Queen. Here I am, you're Rocket Queen. It's a great song. Grey star from me. It's an it's amazing song. It, it's, it's probably them stretching themselves the most. And to put them on the, on the end of the album, that's just amazing. I just think I think that's Gold the one stuffing? that should be be played on um, on Gold One Hundred Four more than Sweet Child of Mine, Rocket Queen. Okay, and, and like how many people? Like, it just doesn't come up in conversation. Like if you're down the pub going, you like Gunners, yeah, like Gunners, oh, like you know. Fine like, song, not one I would I would I would oh, uh, seek great. out. Rocket Queen's amazing. Oh, I say so. I say so too. I'd give it the grey too. I'd give it a grey. Oh, love it. Uh, Are you giving it a gold? Oh, I love it. I just think it's amazing. You're a rocket queen, oh yeah. Yeah. My young, but honey, I ain't naive. How young would he be? I wouldn't even know what naive meant when I was 18 or 20 or whatever he was. Uh, I, well, I just think it's, I think it's great. While he's tallying the thing, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, remember Guns N' Roses? This was their debut album. So oh, it's, this, it's incredible. This was the one where they had all the time in the world to write the songs. Doctor Feelgood was Motley Crue's fifth album, so I think for it even to be in the ballpark. In the same world is an is an amazing effort. Get to your fifth album and write something that good. And oh, they didn't, did they? I mean, they did what two more, which was pretty amazing, and then the spaghetti incident. There's lies jammed Gun- in this. I said to someone the other day, hi Paul. Uh, Guns and Roses are the '80s Sex Pistols. Oh, they one they last one really really good album, a lot of hype, and that was their career. It's still going. I mean, Sex Pistols still get together and do shows. One album. I am so surprised that the Sex Pistols are considered like an innovator or inventor of punk rock, and they only have one album. But it's yeah, like, they got two. They got one. Yeah. Everything well, one else was remixes and, roll, and swindle? that was remixes and offcuts and. That surprises me so much. How did an entire genre get influenced by how many songs? Twelve songs. It was. It was. It. That's it, incredible. It hit. It was the time. It, they grabbed the grabbed the world, and mm. I think that's the same with Appetite. They had that one album, and their entire career thirty years later. Still going? What else did they do? Oh, well, what else did Gunners do? Well, the guys in Guns N' Roses have done plenty of stuff. No, Axel Rose has gone tropo, hasn't he? He's yeah. ruined it for So they did Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, which, which are is amazing. Which is one good album spread across they, two. They went on tour oh, with they're... Metallica, then that tour went interestingly. Yeah, that, that ended. The Spaghetti Incident. Then Covers? It... Uh, yeah, yeah, Spaghetti Incident. No one needs to talk about that. That's covers. The la- and the last Guns N' Roses album that ever came out was Chinese Democracy, which I like. And then you got okay. Velvet Revolver, which is awesome. But that's not Guns N' Roses. Um, well, it may as well be though. It's not. Um, it's, it's Chinese Democracy uh, is a great album. It's not a Gunners album. It's an Axel solo album. And if you take it at that, you'll enjoy it. So okay. will you consider that? So I'm saying okay, Gunners well. has had two records. Oh come on! Use your illusion one and two. It's it's one good record. No, it's put not. together. It's two. It'd be a great album if you took out ten songs. And lies, it's great. Those acoustic that not, numbers in isn't there. Isn't that not covers and remakes again? Uh yeah, there's a bit of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's not 
It's not a flat out album. So one and done. I'm saying Gun and R- Guns and Roses, <laughs> one and done. Well, I will take Dr. that Dr. Feelgood, one. number that one. five. Well, that's why I say if you want to hear the best of Motley Crue, they've spread it out. And, uh, any, I think, of, uh, any of them. That's why you got to go to the compilation. Too Fast for Love, great album. Yeah, but not as good as Appetite for Destruction. Shadow of the Devil, great album. Yeah, Is this what goes on song? in the studio? Theatre of Pain. Guys? Don't worry about Theatre of Pain. That was awful. That was an awful record. Forget about that one. Yeah, well. Girls, girls, girls. What a what a record. All right, gentlemen. I think it's time to what was finally the final thing? get the grand total up. Okay, we'll start off with the, the the most obvious one, which is John. It's eleven to one, Guns and Roses. So that's come on, Guns. That's already one right there. Greatest band ever. For Mark, it is six to five in favour of Feel Good. So one. Well, there one. you go. Good. Good, considerate, balanced view. How, yeah, War, however, good warm water view. However, unfortunately, Mark, for myself, it is eight to three in favour of Guns N' Roses. Well, you know. So, are... therefore, your winner is Appetite for Destruction. There are, there are no losers. I knew that they're before both, I even walked in it. They're both great records. They are both great records. And if you haven't heard them in a while or ever, chuck them on. What, what would you consider your top three of oh. both albums? Top three songs on both of these albums. Ooh. Ooh. Jeez. Dr. Feelgood, Kickstart My Heart. Okay. And, of course, I'm pulling a mental blank. He, he, who's got the track list? Feelgood, Kickstart My Heart, and... Uh, Here's the track list that just magically appeared. No, I remembered. Um, Don't worry. It's all audio. They're never going to see situation, this. Same situation, probably, for <laughs> me. Uh, I'd say that would be the three. Yeah, I'd probably go with that, actually. Same old situation. I like listen to it every time okay. I, I hear it. Thanks. My personal opinion would probably be Dr. Feelgood, Kickstart My Heart, and probably Don't Go Away Mad. Oh, yeah, good song. Mm. I'm have to go back and listen to that one. And, Guns and, Ro- and Guns and Roses, everyone? Guns what would be your top and three Roses. What am I top three on this? I'm going to say Mr. Brownstone, for me, okay. is my favourite song on that album. I just think it's it's amazing. Um, oh. Paradise City, great song. Yeah, can't, Paradise can't City, go past definitely. that. And then, you know, it's probably interchange. If you ask me in a week's time, I'll probably say something different. Like, I've, I've just I've got a bit of a buzz for Rocket that, Queen. That's the power moment, of so. all the of great albums, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I don't know. Take your pick. I wouldn't say Think About You and Night Train would be the two that I would be probably going to go home and listen to tonight. Excellent. I'm going I'm to chuck in Rocket Queen. I reckon, you know, there's a lot of people who've forgotten about that one. They haven't got down to the, uh, to the end of the album. Last song, side two. That's it. Get mm. on to it. Or just chuck it on YouTube and you can watch it straight away. No, put it put go and buy the Here record. Support your artist directly, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, <laughs> Axel it. needs your cash. <laughs> Certainly does not. <laughs> Either way, um, uh, bastard North. I bastard can North. I can say very much. Thank you very much for uh, choosing these two albums for for us to do this show on because it was I had a whale of a time listening to Appetite. I had a whale of a time immersing myself in. Motley Crew, and it was a great experience, so thank you very much. You're more that. than welcome. Thank you for having us. It was oh, terrific. I, just um, felt, can I, say, I feel anxious. I did feel you? so anxious because I feel like I could have talked about these two albums for days, and we've, days. we've really compacted it in. So that, that's just... Yeah, we've done all right. Up. Not too bad. Well, we haven't got too much long to go. Um, do you want to one last time plug all your socials, plug all your music, do whatever you uh, like, just don't, no need to mention the price of admission. We're Bastard North. We're next playing at Smash Fest on August the seventeenth, I believe. Looks yes. at John nodding. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, there's going. I think there's twenty six bands across two stages. So I would urge you all to come on down for that. Some good rock and roll, and yeah, punk, and a bit of this a and a bit of that. Awesome, day. and especially upstairs at uh, Bombay Rock, which yep. is upstairs stage, downstairs stage. Awesome. Um, and then after that, we're back at Bombay. 
October uh, six, six, October nineteen. Sorry for the EP launch. Yep, and then we'll, we've got a few more gigs coming up. But you can find us on Facebook. You can find all us the socials. on all them places, and we've we keep it all up to date. Mark does it. We're on Fantastic we're on job. the instas. We're down with the kids. Yeah, <laughs> where you got to be. So yeah, and of course, if you want to get to know more about um, Bassett Moore North's music before their EP launch, be sure to check out their EP on your bike on the Spotify. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Bandcamp, I believe. Bandcamp, Bandcamp and Spotify. We're, yeah, we're Sound down. Cloud, you're down with everything. We're down. And come down uh, Come down the show, buy a stubby holder. We've actually got usable merch. So, um, <laughs> and a sticker. Yeah. You can put that in your back pocket. You won't forget it mm. behind the bar like you do with your, your record that you buy. Oh, who, who hasn't done that? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Thank you. It was great. Thank you very much for joining us. So there you have it. Appetite for Destruction defeats Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood candidly. Two grand points to one with an 11 to one, eight to three tally. That is quite the difference and quite the candid win for Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. But by all means, it is not a disservice to Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood because if you listen to both albums, you're guaranteed a whale of a time. Big thanks once again to Bastard North for suggesting today's battle. A big thank you for that. And coming into the studio to discuss it on the show. Once again, you can follow them on Facebook at Bastard North and on Instagram. And you can check out their EP on your bike on SoundCloud, Bandcamp and Spotify to get a gist of just what they sound like and get hyped about their new EP, soon to be named, not named just yet, it is still thinking of a name at this point, but it will be released on October 19th. I also want to send a big thank you to the band's producer, Gregor Friday, for helping uh, make this episode happen. He was very, mu- very much uh, the keystone to uh, contacting both the band and myself and working out how to make this episode possible. So a very big thank you to Gregor Friday, and thank you very much for the guitar pick you gave me back in at the start of the year. It is very much appreciated. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of another episode of The Great Metal Standoff. You can stay up to date with what we do at facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod and you can listen to all of our previous episodes over at omni.fm and if you are a local musician that has an interesting idea for a battle by by all means like seriously by all means if you're an in artist or musician or in a band i'd love to hear from you if you've got an, a battle for this show please give us a contact over at facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod And that's all there is really much to say about that. Appetite for Destruction, we salute you. You take away the big victory, Bastard North. You are phenomenal human beings, and all the very best of luck to you, and good best wishes and success coming your way from me over at the Great Metal Standoff. That's all from me. I'll say over and out, and metal up your ass!